This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. From high atop Fox News headquarters in New York City, always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade. That is so funny. Uh, Carl Rove finishing it up. Hey, uh, guys, Carly Shimkus is going to be here in the in about 35 minutes, but I hope you're there now. one 408 A lot going on. We uh, will look to cover it all. It's just kind of amazing. I'm looking at President Biden today. I'm looking at what the House is doing today. I'm looking at Veterans Affairs. I'm thinking to myself, okay, they got to work. Well, President, it's all about politics. President Biden, a keynote speech at the United We Stand Summit to counter the corrosive effects of hate-fueled violence. All about his speech last week. And now, House Oversight Committee fueling the climate crisis. Hey, let's talk about the uh, green energy plan that we passed last month. How's Veterans Committee? Of course, they're going to talk about veterans issues, right? No, access to full spectrum of medical care for women. Reproductive health care, all about abortion. Let's just say... All of Congress is about the midterms now. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Setting the table for the midterm elections, we have some new Fox News polls out tonight. Voters are extremely concerned about inflation at 59%. The state of democracy at 50%. You see abortion ticking up there, but at 45% and crime at 43%. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Primary complete. The matchups are set. Latest on the races uh, which will decide the party in power in Washington and the issues which will refi- will define the races. Number two. With Governor DeSantis actually uh, delivering them to Martha's Vineyard, we're going to see a whole new awareness on a sanctuary state where all of a sudden this open border kind of mentality is coming home to roost. Mark Meadows weighing in. Border crisis. It has been a horrific reality show for Arizona and Texas, and now they're sharing it with all 50 states. Plane loads of illegals just landed in Martha's Vineyard. Bus loads are being dropped off at the VP residence all morning. And when will the president realize this is all his fault? Number one. Now we're choosing to build a better America. An America that's confronting the climate crisis with America's workers leading the way. We're rebuilding an economy, a clean energy economy. Exactly. Let's do that. Energy and the economy. While President brags about his climate bill and demos electric cars, our economy is being driven off a cliff. How will this affect you? And here's what I'm talking about. Climate agenda. Great. We don't have the infrastructure. We wrote the checks a year ago. Almost nothing's been done. So the president didn't handle the regulation and the permitting process. Number two, of course, you want to plug in your car. We'd all love to do that. Save some money on gas, right? Well, we should also know if you care about the climate, coal fuels most of these power plants. If we really cared, we'd have nuclear. If we cared about the environment, we would use natural gas. But it's about almost about this green religion. 
And yesterday, the president's over in Detroit, Michigan, where thousands of people will be out of jobs because we're shifting their jobs overseas. And we need less workers for the electric engine. Cut one. Now we're choosing to build a better America. An America that's confronting the climate crisis with America's workers leading the way. And we're rebuilding an economy, a clean energy economy, and we're doing it from the bottom up and the middle out. I'm so tired of trickle down, I can't stand it. Right, uh, trickle down. Those successful people who hire other people, that's the way it usually works. You can say whatever you want. Uh, by the way, that's a buzz term in the 90s. Get over it. I know that's when you were just uh, 15 years into your job as a senator and probably two presidential runs, uh, none of which worked in case you forgot. President Biden yesterday taking a bow, but while 5,000 workers will eventually lose their job. And because of supply chain issues, more and more dealerships, even though they're starting to get them trickling in now, don't even have the cars. None of them are fully equipped as they try to get them off their lots, the ones that do arrive. So the president of the United States cares about our carbon footprint. If you care about your carbon footprint, why is he waiting to the last minute to vote, hops on Marine One, and then to Air Force One to go over to Delaware in order to vote, stops by his house and comes back? What kind of footprint is that? And how much does that cost? Here's some people weighing in on the hypocrisy of the green movement from Leonardo DiCaprio and Senator and former Secretary of State Kerry hopping on their private jets, but we all have to sacrifice. Listen to Tommy Tuberville, the senator, Gary uh, Palmer, the congressman, and we lead with Nancy Mace from South Carolina. Cut for Number one, it sounds pretty terrible for the environment to fly uh, a short distance to go vote. But secondly, he's been pushing mail-in ballot ballots uh, for the last two years, and now he's going to go vote in person. Seems a little hypocritical. Well, the only thoughts I got is who paid for that? Does he pay for it? Uh, I pay for it when I go vote. Uh, I think everybody else does. I read $177,000 because they forgot to absentee vote. That's not a very good uh, example for anybody. Well, I'm surprised he didn't try to vote by proxy. That's how the Democrats do it. So uh, I, I do think it's a massive waste of taxpayer money. Uh, I think it's another sign of how Democrats will politicize everything because it's all about the show and, and, and not about actually participating in an election. Right. Kamala Harris actually be going up to Buffalo to talk about climate change. What's she doing there? Taking a plane. I mean, can anyone just be aware of it and say that this is really my religion and I don't really want to go up there by plane? I'm going to zoom in to save it. And you could actually tell people that. Uh, she tweeted out this morning, I'm heading to Buffalo, New York, to highlight how we are taking climate change thanks uh, to the Inflation Reduction Act. When are you going to start doing it? You've had it out there for almost a year. Uh, Stephen Miller tweeted right back to her and goes, you flying? Yeah, you're flying. Real quick, on the state of the economy, the president's not getting great marks on that. In terms of his competence, the Fox News poll is out. Only 38% of the country says he's competent. Considering that about 45% of the country is Democrat, that's not strong. 52 uh, percent now say he is not competent. In September, it was 5145 saying he was. So the more he does the job, the less people are convinced that he can do the job. Jason Furman saw the uh, he's the national economic advisor and council director for President Obama. He looked at this situation right now. Cut five. One of the biggest levers the Fed has is raising mortgage rates. When they raise their interest rates and when they're expected to raise their interest rates, mortgage rates go up. That's why mortgage rates have gone up so much this year. That's cooling the housing sector. That is unfortunately good news for the economy as a whole because it helps bring down inflation, but it can be tough for households too. 
Listen, in, inflation's was at nine percent. It's down to eight point three percent. It's uh, it means in food prices sixteen percent. It goes across the board depending on where you are. People are feeling that, uh, and anything you could do to lessen that is the story. But it's usually combined. If you look, if past can past success can yield future success, it's combined with tax cuts and spending cuts. Neither one of those things are happening. So we'll talk about that later. I don't want to do it all now. In fact, I can take your calls one eight six six. 408-7669. I don't know if you've been watching Fox and Friends, but this morning we watched, or last night during Tucker, we watched uh, my illegal immigrants being flown in from Florida to Martha's Vineyard, the home of Barack Obama and so many rich of the rich, so many celebrities there who love their lifestyle. Well, time to feel like El Paso just a little bit, the Rio Grande Valley to perhaps maybe Tucson, Arizona, which they've been living with that reality with five to 7,000 a day. You just got 60. So now deal with that. Make that part of the conversation. Have local news cover that since most of the national news outside us ignores it. What I thought is the best move ever, that is more people texting me with a smile on their face saying they love that they, the woman who told us over the weekend that the border is secure, uh, we have sent buses uh, to, of illegal immigrants into Washington, D.C., but instead of going to Union Station, they went to the vice president's residence. I absolutely love it. Remember, she said this over the weekend, cut 13. The border is secure, but we also have a broken immigration system. We have a secure border in that that is a priority for any nation, including ours and our administration. But there are still a lot of problems that we are trying to fix, given the deterioration that happened over the last four years. Don't make it up. Deterioration. It was called a massive push to secure the border, get Mexico to put 20,000 on their southern border, make all illegal immigrants, especially single males, wait in Mexico as we process their asylum application. And then rush them through the judge situation and make sure they're expelled immediately if they don't get through. Meanwhile, Lori Lightfoot's complaining a few hundred have gotten to Chicago. She's sending some of them into the suburbs. Uh, for the most part, this is a, this is an in-your-face until you address it. But it does it solve the problem? I thought Kari Lake was quite uh, quite impressive last night. She's got the Republican nomination and got all the support of President Trump. She was on with Tucker. And just talking about this movement, this story broke while she was on with Tucker. And here's her response to Governor DeSantis flying illegals into Martha's Vineyard. Cut 16. You know, I actually, I get a kick out of it watching these liberal mayors just, you know, throw their hands up and say we can't handle it because it's life every day for us in these border states. However, I'm not a fan of it, Tucker. I mean, we're just taking people here illegally who shouldn't be here. We're moving them further inland. My plan is the most bold, aggressive plan on the border. We're going to secure the border. We're going to call it what it is, issue a declaration of invasion on day one, get troops on the border in the form of our National Guard. We're going to stop people from coming over. And we're going to stop the the cartels from having control of our border. Yeah, uh, that sounds great to me. It sounds not anti-Hispanic. Uh, not anti-immigrant, just a control of the immigration system. We can't do the easy reforms that we all agree on unless we seal the border and know who are here. Now, I told you about the matchups make fights, matchups make Senate races. Uh, Senator Fetterman, excuse me, Senator, Lieutenant Governor Fetterman wants to be a Senator Fetterman. 
uh, going against Dr. Oz, has about a three or four point lead, according to the latest poll. The problem is he had a stroke and he talks like that. We don't know if he's healthy. Wishing the best, but should you have someone? If I got a stroke and you couldn't understand me, I'm a, I have the best management, but I could not work this job. They'd say, Brian, we'll get you the best therapy. We, you got great health coverage, but you can't do the job. That's fact. So the question is, no, you have a big heart, but can John Fetterman do the job? He looks in awful shape. He does not speak well. He's agreed to a debate, one debate with closed captioning. I guess he can't even understand people that well. You just wonder, can he do the job? Here's Fetterman, cut 21. I truly hope for each and every one of you, you didn't have a doctor in your life making fun of it making light of it or telling you that you're not fit to be served. No? But unfortunately, I do. Right. Uh, Be served. Maybe you're not. He didn't bring it up. I think he's been very tasteful. If you look at some of the tweets and social media attacks, uh, he has not, he's been holding his fire compared to what he would be saying. And the only thing he did say is he's watched you mock some of his shoots that he had in order to beat Dave McCormick and get the nomination. Fetterman and Oz will be a great matchup. Warnock and Herschel Walker is a great matchup. And what is turning into a great matchup is Lee Zeldin against uh, the interim governor, Hochul. Cut 27. People feel like their safety is under attack, their wallets, their freedom, quality of their kids' education. And they believe that if they go down to places like Texas or Florida and some of these other places, that their money will go further, they will feel safer, they will live life freer. That's why New York leads the entire nation in population yeah. loss. Now, we're seeing a debate in, in Illinois and these other places uh, about whether or not they should have cashless bail and, and, and get more DAs into power who refuse to enforce the law. Well, in New York, we actually have this. We have the pro-criminal laws already passed. We're seeing the consequences of it. We have the DAs like Alvin Bragg uh, refusing to do his job. We even have some lax judges refusing to do theirs while law enforcement is getting entirely thrown under the bus. Yeah, no question. Lee Zeldin has to talk crime, has to talk quickly and distinctly about the the taxes and talk about the services and getting make putting the criminal last instead of first. So criminal justice reform, I get it. Uh, Thirty years for for selling pot, not good, not accurate. But letting people out in a revolving door of justice is not going to be effective, and that will resonate with people. In my humble view, when we come back, I'll talk more about this uh, as well as what's happening at the border. Uh, and expand on energy in the economy and go over some more matchups because it's going to make it exciting. A real sprint in the last next 50 plus days. If anybody tells you they know how it's going to come out, they are not telling you the truth. You are listening to Brian Kilmetro. That's the truth. Coming to you on a need to know basis because, man, do you need to know? It's Brian Kilmeade. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. 
Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan, but you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. I have never denied that I lost. I don't live in the governor's mansion. I would have noticed. Uh, And there's this clip that's going around, and it shows me saying that we won. And what I was referring to was that we won in terms of communities that were long left out of the electoral process, finally participated in 18 at outstanding numbers. But I'm not delusional, (laughs) just so that's clear. Right. She went on to say uh, a bunch of stats that have since been uh, nixed. They talked about cleaning off the payrolls, not to get rid of black people, Hispanic people or women that he she claims. That is Stacey Abrams, of course, still complaining about the 2018 election and getting a pass from The View. Big shocker. And she comes out and says, well, these uh, these people wiped off the payrolls. They hadn't voted in decades. They probably have moved. They did not respond when asked do they still live there. So they were wiped out and they were cleansed. It was a rule that was put together in 1997 by Democrats at the time desperate to take the state. You'll see. Uh, Stacey Abrams will do everything she wants, and she will lose to Brian Kemp. And then once and for all, people realize, as smart and talented and speaker as she is, her message is not good. The victimhood is not right. Uh, I did. I watched her speak to law enforcement. She is not into cops at all. At all. And, And... on a separate note, different seat, but Herschel Walker is. That's why I believe he's going to beat uh, Warnock, and there'll be a huge upset. People want to put down Herschel Walker, too, in Georgia. Uh, nice try. But meanwhile, election integrity is a big thing because of with President Trump and uh, how he felt and still complaining as of yesterday about the election results, which he was unable to prove. I don't care if he's 100 percent right. He's unable to prove it. His court cases fell flat, all except one. So now, and he also says Mike Pence uh, destroyed his own political career by not uh, throwing out all the electors uh, and uh, declaring President Trump the, the president still, which is uh, not smart uh, to even say that. But when you talk about election integrity, why don't people bring up Stacey Abrams ever? Tucker Carlson thought about that last night. Cut 30. Daily, the media remind us that anyone who has questions about the outcome of the last election isn't a disgruntled voter. That person's a criminal. That person has embraced the big lie. You see it in every news story. The big lie. For years after the 2000 election, Democrats claimed that George W. Bush was not the legitimate president. Some still say it. They may believe it. And then in 2016, the entire Democratic Party rejected the outcome of the presidential election. A foreign power got Donald Trump elected. Democrats said that, and they continue to say it every single day of Donald Trump's term. They impeached him over it. They hamstrung the executive branch of the U.S. government with an investigation into Russian influence that in the end turned up nothing. What would you call that? You would call that election denial. You would call that the big lie. But no one was punished for it. And that's it. You can quit. His whole premise last night was you can question it and not go to jail. You can question it. Hillary Clinton did. Stacey Abrams got her own election in particular. Uh, Constantly, John Lewis. Hundreds of Democrats have come out at various times and said he's not a legitimate president. I'm not going through the inaugural. 
And they weren't put in jail. No one grabbed their phones. And I know a lot has to do with because it happened on January 6th. It wouldn't, none of this stuff would have happened without January 6th. And Trump did the worst, but all these other people did questions, elections, dating back to, to Bush Gore. Even though Al Gore was magnanimous, his followers weren't. When we come back, Coley Shimkus joins us. We open up the phones. Brian Kilmeade Show. So glad you're here. Information you want. Truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Earlier this month, I announced a $52 million grant for the American Rescue Plan. That's a partnership right here in Detroit, including the big three, United Auto Workers, to train workers and upgrade factories for electric vehicle revolution. For example, just like they used to be building carburetors, you ain't going to be doing that much anymore with electric vehicles. But we're going to have to build an awful lot of vehicle batteries. Right, and have the Chinese do it because we don't have any of the rare earth, and we don't know where to throw them out. We don't know how long they last either. Uh, welcome uh, back, everyone. That's Brian. This is Brian Kilmeade Show. Carly Shimkus is finding that out for the first time. Uh, she is co-host of Fox and Friends First, uh, so that means she's been up since two uh, a.m. Yes, and well, earlier. Yeah, I get up at like twelve thirty. Wow, yeah. and you go to bed at. I try and get to bed by 6.30. But 6.30? Yeah. When do you eat? Dinner? Um, right before bed. Is that bad? Some people say you shouldn't eat right before 5 bed. 5 o'clock you're eating. Yeah, 5, 5.30. And, and is this going to be a problem in the future? Sometimes I live on the edge. I push right. it to 7. That's it. If I want to watch all of Brett Bear's show. Wow. The Brett Bear is your late night show. You have well, no idea so, who Greg Gutfeld is. So I DVR Brett's show sometimes so I can finish it. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. Um, I DVR. Riveting. Yeah, this <laughs> My is. schedule is so Carly sad. Shimkus is here, but but it's worth it. Uh, but Carly, I, this is unbelievable. I thought that Jesse did a great job last night chronicling where the money is for the infrastructure bill because it, it's been signed and sealed and delivered for a year. They've they've got heated sidewalks in in Wisconsin, and there's one of the small plant built. Nothing's been done. I mean, if you got to pass. Some type of regulation reform along with this. You got to be calling up. What's going on here? Why is this not built? Where are the power stations? You got to be a leader. Yeah. If that's what you well, want. Well, here's the thing about the infrastructure bill. So um, I, I made it very clear that I missed Jesse's show last night because I was snoozing. Mm. Uh, but I'm sure he brought up the infrastructure bill because President Biden was in Detroit at the car show and he announced $900 million for electric vehicle chargers. Like, that's really what we need right now. Exactly. Like, that's the kind of thing that people are like, especially with the inflation report that just came out. And we saw how high food and gas and everything else is. That's really what they're hankering for. But um, I think a lot of people actually had to remind themselves, like, oh, that's right. The the uh, infrastructure bill did pass because right. it has been so long. And now he's finally starting to roll it out. I guess, Brian, you could say it's sort of a good thing that this money isn't being spent right now, though, because that would every single time he announces a new tranche of money that's getting put into the system, it does increase inflation. Right. And these are inflated dollars. So maybe. But I, I don't think it's a good thing if you're in a big rush to jam uh, electric cars down our throats. you got to b- build it. Uh, the other thing is Tesla, just an example of private industry. They didn't say – I know that they are, some, of their, uh, some of their innovation, their R&D, definitely financed by the government. I got it. They get, they're eligible for grants. Mm-hmm. 
But what they do is they built their own systems. So I'm not saying they're incompatible. I don't know enough about it. But when you see those Tesla systems, it's clearly a Tesla charging right. system. Does Ford have that? Where's the Ford fire system? Where's the GM uh, charging system? And they were saying that about 5,000 auto workers will lose their jobs yeah. as they morph into this electric I engine. I just heard I, that's exactly what caught my ear when you played that president, <clears throat> that clip of President Biden saying we're not going to be making carburetors anymore. And it reminded me of when he canceled the Keystone XL pipeline and then all of these pipeline workers that were relying on that two-year job were all of a sudden out of employment. And then the president and John Kerry went on TV and said, don't worry, every time I think of um, electric vehicles or green energy, I think of jobs because all these people can get jobs making solar panels. I mean, how insulting is that for people who have spent years and years of their time and energy and money investing in the um, equipment that goes along with being a pipeliner to just have somebody say, oh, you can just transfer your career. That's that's awful. Right. But it's their it's their line. It's like someone in our business saying, oh, there's no more radio jobs. Go to TV. Yeah. No one can do both. It's like telling a sideline reporter to put on the pads. Right. And And play football. Go play football. Exactly. I like that analogy almost as good as mine. Thank you. Almost. Not not as good. But it just shows you're trying for a change. Because a lot of times you phone in your segments. Uh, Here is Here's Kevin McCarthy last night on how he messaged what you just said. Cut seven. Don't you miss the days when the market was high and inflation and gas prices were low? It's the opposite. It's exactly what they have done. They opened our border. They brought inflation with runaway spending. You watch what they've done to our schools. There's no one being held accountable. You've got looking to OPEC to solve our problems instead of America being energy independent right here. So the, the question is, you know, if the House does flip and it should, the question is how many Senate seats will. And it's going to be really interesting. I know. I mean, yes. fascinating. Yeah. I, I know, also pointed out, I'm not sure the significance of this. John Fetterman's got this, you know, why does he wear a hoodie? Evidently, he's got this like huge thing in the back of his neck. It's like a looks like a life preserver. Really? Yeah. And I like think a health thing? You were asleep. But Tucker... I'm not sure. <laughs> I was, I'm sure was, it's not good for I you. I was already on Dream too. Yes. Let's be clear. I mean, we're talking but about I catch, Hancock. I catch Tucker in the morning after I watch the end of Brett Bear show. I turn on my phone, and that's when his rerun replay is on. Oh, that's when his replay is on. Mm-hmm. Shannon Bream used to be a big benefit when her show used to repeat because it's very newsy, a lot of sound bites. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Um, I just thought I'd share that no, with you. Yeah, we so, love Shannon. Right. She's all right. <laughs> I mean, would she? Do you she's, know who's going to get her show? She's a perfect person. Um, I, I don't. <laughs> I Who did. do you think? I I mean I have I don't I never thought about it. Really? I think it should be a rotating panel of who any anybody who wants Who's it free? should get a should get a turn. Oh. I what, love you like I, communism? Um, <laughs> just like everyone should do it. You know what's funny we about all that should comment? Anchor a show? So when my uh when I was dating my husband, my my dad we went out to dinner um with my dad, who is the best. Um and he goes, you know, my, my boyfriend at the time was like a little nervous to meet him, as any guy yeah. would be. And we were at a seafood place. My dad's really into seafood, really likes oysters. And my husband is from Memphis, not really the oyster capital of the world. And so my my dad was like, oh, go try try an oyster. And my my husband's like, oh, no, it's not really for me. And he goes, what are you, a communist? It's <laughs> <laughs> like – Ultimate insult. And <laughs> he and, slurped one down. Right. Well, right. But he, and he's not a communist. Oh, no, no. He, <clears throat> to be clear, my husband is not a communist. No, right. Yes. Just want to make that because yeah, you never very... know. Media, I could be listening. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> in terms of communism, Senator John Kennedy feels as though this president is spending us into oblivion. Cut nine. The president, uh, he's not uh, really forgiving student debt. Somebody's got to pay for it. He's just transferring it from the people who owe it, the college elite, to the people who don't owe it, uh, working-class Americans. But the way the president handled, has handled the economy, his social and economic policies, um, how can I put this? Your aunt's Facebook page has more credibility with the American people than President Biden does when it comes to the economy. We got to wonder, and is he I like Yogi? Voter- I love him. Is he like Yogi Berra with this stuff? Like, you wonder where this comes I from. I know. Do you think that he thinks about an advantage? I mean, he's just a soundbite machine. Um, but he's right about the, he's right about the, um, the student loan stuff. I mean, that is something that the president passed and then has never talked about it since. Yeah. And it's because he just angered everybody. And it's also such a bad idea. I mean, for obvious reasons that have already been um, discussed, but Democrats hated it. A lot of people thought it was too little. That's crazy. And then everybody else is like, are you joking me? This is insane and so unfair to literally everybody outside of college educated people that are Mm going to get white collar jobs and can ultimately pay off their student loans if they, you know, finance and budget in an appropriate way. What do we have in common? Uh, we work for Fox. Okay, what else? Um, we live on the East Coast. We're in this room together. Okay, these are all good, we accurate. Like food. And um, we also love foreign policy. Yes. Like when this war starts, we like diving into it. Yeah. No one's reporting this. Uh, you know Vladimir Putin and President Xi are meeting to discuss the Ukraine war. It's not going well. Yes. And we know this. Vladimir Putin's limousine was hit by a loud bang, a possible attack. Uh, yeah, according to an anti-Kremlin sources reveal who've been revealing health scares, when? they say Putin's limousine was allegedly hit by a loud bang on the left side of the wheel, according to General SVR Telegram Channel. Uh, that's a, Telegram is how they communicate over there through mm-hmm. the war. Yeah. Uh, the car drove safely unharmed, but Putin, uh, there's been multiple arrests from his own security service. Uh, they claim they separate posts that Putin ordered... Um, uh, on a, a separate post, there's something else. But uh, the security, this he was in the, he was in a decoy uh, uh, caravan, and the fact that a loud bang hit the left side of his car, he feels as though someone and his own job, crew was an inside, inside job. job. I mean, think about this. Wait, think, a loud bang, like possibly a gunshot? Possibly. A, a, possibly. Wait, did this happen in, in Uzbekistan? Because that's where he is right now. No, um, it happened in Russia. So... That we do not know what's going on with this, yeah. but the head, the, the president's head bodyguard, and several other people have been suspended or are in custody. Oh, uh, claim the Telegram channel without naming anyone. You don't want to be them. There's been a narrow circle of people who knew about his movement of the president uh, and uh, and his posse, and all of them from the president's private security service. Wow. He also lives in a total bubble. I mean, you see the videos of him where he's on one end of this massively long table oh, yeah. and the closest person is like at the other side. He has a food tester. And isn't it, doesn't he have health issues? That was like a huge story, especially at the start of the Ukraine war. He was shaking. There's something – some people were saying that he possibly could have cancer, but nobody could verify these things because he is who he is. And then speaking of death threats, at, at the beginning of the war too, um, all of these – uh, people who were trying to go after Vladimir Zelensky and his life was being threatened. Yeah. He's, I mean, he's, now he's doing media and he's able to, you know, be more. He went to the front lines person. the other day. I mean, think about this. Almost 3,000 square miles have been taken back by the Ukrainians. Yeah. Uh, uh, dozens of towns have been reclaimed. And then you wonder if they could move. We're worried about Odessa in the south. 
Now they have to worry about holding Kyrgyzstan in the south. So tell us, Brett, because I know that you follow this very closely. Why are they now um, – why were they so successful in regaining this territory? Well, number one, they had to reorganize. Number two, we're absolutely helping them with tactics. Yes. Number three, we're giving them the high Mars. It's pushed the Russians back. We were blowing up a lot of their depots. And fundamentally, Ukrainians are fighting for their sovereignty, and the Russians have no idea why they're there. And, and they don't know. And that's they, always been the case. Yeah. And, and the thing is, uh, in layman's terms, Pete Hexips would try it differently. We have captains and lieutenants who have given have been given permission to run battles on the ground and make decisions and report back after they make them. They are run by generals, some of which were just put there for ceremonial positions next to you know they're in a real war. That's why there's almost 20 have been killed. Yeah. So now they're in this battle. They've got to make quick decisions. Everyone's like, I'm not making I these decisions. Is- and I quit. Take off my uniform. And they're running, dressing like Ukrainians and running away. Yeah. I just wonder if this is a quick – change of tide or if this is a long-lasting thing and then how do you end this war what's the ultimate of this it's been going on for what seven months now right i mean they, they're going to end it when they have to uh and the thing russia is, is russia is and that they they started this week uh owning about a fifth of the country that's less and then you wonder if you get behind enemy lines and you start blowing things up behind enemy lines like those nine planes that magically magically blew up in crimea so they were describing it to me yesterday. There's a huge line to get out of Crimea now. It's a, it's a resort town. Mm-hmm. Everyone's like, oh, we got Crimea. So everybody wants to be there. It's the jewel of, of the Black Sea. Yeah. And now they're like, uh, nothing's safe. We're leaving. So what's the point of having it if you're Russia? You can't even say it's yep, a jewel anymore. Exactly. And that's what Vladimir Putin was saying. And then that. Putin, you started with talking about Putin and Xi Jinping meeting um, in his backstage. This is the first time, by the way, since Xi Jinping has left China since um, the, the start of the pandemic. Yeah. So what's going to happen in that meeting? Well, one of their goals is to um, figure out a new world order. Like, that's not, you know, Austin Powers, scary stuff. Like, are you serious? Um, and then, and then you know, Russia is losing this war right now, obviously Putin's going to try and get weapons and military support from China. And you just have to wonder, I mean, under the table, maybe he's already helping Putin. You you don't know. Um, but if he starts to more obviously and overtly help Russia, I mean, what do, what do we well, do? Secondary uh, sanctions? And then that affects our economy, which I'm not saying is, is a good thing or a bad thing because you have to think about, you know, global and, and foreign policy But it uh, will affect our economy negatively. But it absolutely will. But long term, it will probably help us because we have to divorce ourselves I from know, there. but when are we going to start? I mean, I, pharmaceuticals still made in China? Bullets still made in China? Are I was reading some of that, crazy? but I do say that there's a huge push to get a lot of the manufacturing pushed from Apple and others into Vietnam. And parts of India. That that's that has to happen, and now, right? Yeah. I would say this. Uh, I've been been told that as much as China is allied with Russia, they also realize that they are dependent on the West, and they do not want to be caught in this, especially this tornado of doom that Russia's in right now. Yeah. And I hope they learn and say, "Listen, you think you could take Taiwan? They also want to fight for their sovereignty. They want no part of you. They don't want to be part of communism. They're a thriving little island." Good luck with that. Yeah. So you might – and you haven't fought a war since 1979. And by the way, Vietnam did well in repelling the Chinese. Yeah, I just – I think that China – that Xi Jinping probably sees Russia as sort of the junior partner in this relationship. Yeah. and never used know, to be that way. It, it didn't. But if he helps Putin, um, Putin's then, you know, sort of d- dependent, reliant, and um, 
that he owes Xi a favor. And then if they end up winning the war, that's that strengthens China. So there's sort of in that Ukraine-Russia thing, there's no real loss for China to get so, subtly involved. So Carly Shimkus, thank you for participating in this segment. When we come back, we're going to find out if a woman who goes to bed at 6 o'clock at night and gets up at 1.30 needs to know more. <laughs> Expanding your knowledge base. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. Hey, we got a few minutes here. Carly Shimkus is with us, and we're going to find out if Carly wants to know more. More to know with Carly Shimkus. I love this first one. So one of the most powerful tools to improve health, bolster relationships, and just feel better is your smile. Really? It's just that simple. So Americans apparently tend to smile more than, and wider than folks in other countries. Uh, this article says those megawatt grins are actually good for our mental and physical health. So if you're in your car right now and you're frowning, turn that frown upside down. Yeah, force it's, yourself. It's Even if you good, don't feel it, you could go the other way. It's you, a de-stressor. It makes you look your best and you may make a friend. Next, Olivia Newton-John's publicist is fuming because she was not mentioned at the Emmys. The guy's name is Michael DiCaprio, uh, Caprio, uh, publicist for 24 years, said Michael Phil's decision was not right given that Olivia's extensive track record in Hollywood, especially on TV, including acting in TV movies, A Mom for Christmas, never heard of it, RuPaul's Drag Race, uh, sadly I did, Murphy <laughs> Brown is off the air for a while, and Glee. So do you believe that they were wrong not to mention well, her? Well, it would be really bad if they didn't mention, mention her at the Oscars. But oh. there's still I, there's because still time it was a for movie. that. Well, I would I would say that she's more of a movie actor than. But I could I wouldn't blink an eye if they yeah. mentioned her. At no one would say what well. Honey, yeah. what's going on? Mentioning Olivia Newton John. Yeah. Next. All right. Too much blue light from screens makes you grow older faster. Well, that's not good for Uh-oh. me. Oh, like televisions, laptops, smartphones can ele- ex- um, accelerate the aging process. Researchers found that light could also lead to onset of obesity. Shall I read on? Excessive exposure to blue light from everyday devices such as TVs, laptops, phones may have detrimental effects on a wide range of cells in our body from skin to fat cells to sensory neurons. Wow. Next. Put your phones down. Does your dog have an allowance? The average pet owner spends nearly $300 a month on their pet. They surveyed 2,000 pet owners, including 1,000 dog owners, 1,000 cat owners, revealed that half of the respondents have set up a monthly budget for their pets, (laughs) 53% with an average cap of $308. I did go to um, the vet once. I had a hamster, and And I spent $200 to keep it alive. You did not. It had a wet tail, and it died. And at that point, did you have a lot of money? Uh, no, actually, I didn't. But you have died of wet you, tail. That's what hamsters die from. Fun fact of the day. That's also a little morbid. I think some other things kill hamsters. Mm. From the Fox News Radio Studios in Midtown Manhattan, it's the fastest growing radio talk show. Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for being here, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show, uh, 1-866-408-7669. Coming to you from 48th and 6th in Midtown Manhattan, heard around the country, around the world. But uh, there's a lot of things going on in Manhattan. Number one, when I talk about illegal immigration, they're coming here. Uh, Thanks to Governor Abbott, fed up because no one's paying attention to Texas or Arizona specifically. 
Uh, and then Congressman Lee Zeldin is doing so much better than anyone thought in his quest to become the next governor of this state. First Republican since Pataki won three straight times. And Lee Zeldin's going to be a guest today. Mark Thiessen standing by. Uh, why he believes that when the president of the United States calls out ultra MAGA, he's really calling out all Republicans. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Sponsored by Crunch Fitness. Interested in owning your own business in a growing $30 billion industry? Check out Crunch Fitness at crunch.com. Number three. Setting the table for the midterm elections, we have some new Fox News polls out tonight. Voters are extremely concerned about inflation at 59%. The state of democracy at 50%. You see abortion ticking up there, but at 45% and crime at 43%. Brett Baer laying out the Fox News poll. The primary is complete. The matchups are set. Latest on the ages and the races, which will be decided, uh, will decide the party in power and the direction of our country. The issues that matter, we'll talk about it. Number two. With Governor DeSantis actually uh, delivering them to Martha's Vineyard, we're going to see a whole new awareness on a sanctuary state where all of a sudden this open border kind of mentality is coming home to roost. There you go. And that, of course, is Mark Meadows. Border crisis has been a horrific reality show for Arizona, Texas, New Mexico, and maybe California. Now it's being spread to all 50 states. It's plane loads of illegals just landed in Martha's Vineyard and busloads dropped off across from Kamala Harris's residence. When will the president realize it starts with him? Number one. Now we're choosing to build a better America. An America that's confronting the climate crisis with America's workers leading the way. We're rebuilding an economy, a clean energy economy. Yeah, right. Uh, Energy in the economy. Why the president brags about his climate bill and demos electric cars. Our economy is being driven off a cliff. How this will affect you. And uh, most people, I can't believe it, uh, really believe the president's incompetent. It's almost a total reversal from where we were a year ago in 2021. There was supposed to be a normal presidency. Normalcy is back we got is oh, back, yeah, back to the 70s with, if you consider Jimmy Carter's, Carter's theory is normal. If you look right now at a Fox News poll, question, has the Biden administration been competent and effective in managing the government? 38% said yes. That was a 52%, excuse me, it was at 51% in September of 2021. Now 52% say no, only 40% had said no. of the people thinks he's competent. Let's come in right now with 100% of the people in my studio think he's competent. He is columnist, contributor, Mark Thiessen. Mark, welcome back. Good to be with you. Hey, uh, first off, on those numbers, 38% consider him, um, uh, only 38% consider him competent and effective. So I would say 42% of the country are Democrats. It's pretty bad. That is pretty bad. And I'll tell you, it all started with Afghanistan. Uh, you know, it, we, we've sort of forgotten the Afghan withdrawal now, but it was he was his numbers and competence and, 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 and effectiveness were fine until then. And then he he lied to the he, he presided over this disastrous withdrawal from Afghanistan. And then he pres- and then he lied to the American people about it, saying it was an extraordinary success. He lied about the fact that the, the military commanders didn't recommend receiving, leaving under residual force. He lied about the fact that Al Qaeda wasn't there. And Americans just looked at that and said, "This guy is incompetent." And once once people decide you're incompetent, it's really really hard to recover. And so that's 
started the slide, and then it w- and then you piled on the inflation, and you piled on the labor crisis, and you piled on the highest food prices since 1979, and the highest shelter costs since ni- 1984, and the and the border crisis, and the crime worst crime wave since the 1990s, and all of it has fed and cascaded into the, into the numbers you're seeing today. But it started. We need to remember it started with Afghanistan. Yeah, I absolutely. And now it. Uh, this whole thing with the things that have passed. Yeah, the CHIPS bill passed, got some bipartisan support, as did guns and infrastructure. None of it generated from the White House, though. It, it all generated from the Senate. And, in fact, he almost yeah. screwed up two the of the three. The gun bill, too. And, by the way, if the MAGA Republicans are so irresponsible, how come Republicans work with him on a bipartisan gun legislation? How come Republicans work with him on bipartisan infrastructure? All the things that he's celebrating— other than the Inflation Reduction Act, which is now actually we now know is causing inflation, not reducing it. Um, other than that, and the and the American Rescue Plan, the things he passed the Democrats, vote, it's all Republicans working together in a bipartisan way. So he can't have it both ways. He can't he can't run around saying mega Republicans are obstructing uh, our progress, but then celebrating all the things that Republicans helped him to pass. Yeah. So I'll bring to your column then, and then we'll move on. Uh, you believe sure. it's all Republican when he says MAGA, and I th- I believe so yeah. too. Ultra MAGA, MAGA. What are you talking about? If you want to say I don't like President Trump, all right. There's a lot of people that don't, and Liz Cheney and those companies. I get it. And there's bad size, so I understand it. But when he used the term MAGA, ultra MAGA, it makes you say, what does that stand for? And when you drill down on it, Mark, you agree with a lot of the stuff that make up the what made America great movement. A hundred percent. Look, look, here's here's what he said. Even in that, you know, the, the Darth Vader speech in front of Independence Hall bathed in red, he said the MAGA Republicans want to take away a woman's right to choose. So basically, if you're pro-life, you're a MAGA Republican. Well, first of all, 70 percent of Republicans identify as pro-life. So immediately his claim that the, he's not talking about the majority of, of Republicans falls away. And second of all, the Republican Party has had a pro-life plank in its platform since 1980 when Ronald Reagan was there. Ronald Reagan, every Republican president going since then has been pro-life. Ronald Reagan, George H.W. Bush, George W. Bush, are they all MAGA Republicans? And then he said um, that the MAGA Republicans wanted in his Labor Day speech, MAGA Republicans want to take away your Social Security. Well, first of all, Donald Trump didn't want to take away your Social Security. He pushed back on the Republican Party about about so about entitlement reform. But who was for entitlement reform? Mitt Romney and Paul Ryan. Remember that ad that they showed of Paul Ryan pushing the little old lady in the wheelchair over a cliff? I mean, that's been a Democratic attack on Republicans for decades. And so I guess by his definition, Mitt Romney and Paul Ryan are MAGA Republicans. I mean, and the list goes on of all these issues where he, he uses this MAGA attack. He's not attacking Donald Trump. He's not attacking Trump supporters. He's attacking all conservatives. That's what it is. It's an assault on conservatism and the conservative movement. If you are one of the 74 million Americans who disagree with his policies and voted for his opponent, you are a threat to democracy. That is what is the, his message is. And, he's, and it's not me interpreting it. It's him saying it himself. Uh, by, by the way, yeah, and he considers himself an historic figure who wants to marginalize his opponents. I get it. You want to run for office and do it, but don't make them evil. Don't make them uh, yeah. make this something that's got to be arrested or eradicated because you want to do a pre- you want to put President Trump on the ballot. That's a tactic, but condemning people for believing it is dangerous, and it's dangerous Especially to the country. The be- and listen, and listen, let's you're be- going to unite the country. Oh, yeah. I've given up on that, Mark. But you're right. He did say it. I know that was the reason he was elected. It wasn't because anyone disagreed with Trump's policy. Right before the election, October, 
53% of Americans, a record high, said they were better off than they were four years ago under, uh, under Trump. They were better off. That was the highest it's ever been in the Gallup poll. So nobody was voting against Donald Trump's policies. They were voting against the chaos. They were voting against the, the uh, that. And, and his entire campaign was based on, I'm going to return, what you said at the, in the opening of this, of this segment, I'm going to return to normalcy. We're going to unite the country. And it, not only has he not done it, he's become everything he condemned and worse. Uh, by the way, just putting together the speech on that the speech with the blood red in the background at Independence Hall, the the, the evidently Joe Biden wants to go down in history uh, and really believes he is. And the one person who was behind it, I'm stunned by John Meacham. John Meacham started working on that speech. By the way, isn't it amazing? John Meacham, who I like, uh, he's endorsed a couple of my books, and I've, we've had him in, and his books are fantastic on Andrew Jackson. But he commented on a speech that he wrote. Oh, he helped write the inaugural, and then part one of the people that wrote the speech, this this John Meacham, who has a long view of history, one would think he's the one who set the tone and tenor of that speech, which is one of the I think one of the biggest mistakes of his career. Correct? A hundred percent. I didn't know that John Meacham had helped write that speech. That's just shameful. It's in Politico I mean, today. Just, you know. And how can you be the at once be the uh, help write the inaugural address where he said, "I'm going to put my whole soul into uniting this country, into bringing Americans together," and then two, less than two years later, write a speech basically declaring 74 million Americans a threat to the a threat to our country? It's that that's just shameful. Uh, a couple of things. Just uh, the president yesterday basically is making it clear that he's going to be driven by the clean energy religion. It's not even a practical approach right now. It's a religion. Here he is, cut one. Now we're choosing to build a better America. An America that's confronting the climate crisis with America's workers leading the way. We're rebuilding an economy, a clean energy economy, and we're doing it from the bottom up and the middle out. I'm so tired of trickle down, I can't stand it. What's he even talking about? Trickle down, number one, when people, when people are successful, they hire other people. Is that technically trickle down? Where the CEO and the founder makes more than the people working for them, then they split out and do their own companies? I'm pretty sure uh, there's no such thing as what he's discussing. But also, when he comes to this green energy push, does he know how many auto workers are being laid off as he is basically subsidizing this push towards electric cars? Yeah, so number one, he's, the, he's, he's in that Labor Day speech, he talked about how the MAGA Republicans are against the working class and for Wall Street. I, I'm sorry, he's the president who just uh, asked working class Americans to subsidize electric cars for people who can afford Tesla. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and this is, the, this is the president who just asked auto workers to pay for the graduate degrees of doctors, lawyers, and Wall Street executives. Uh, so yeah, it paid their college loans and their graduate school loans. So spare me the Mr. Where's Scranton Joe. Uh, he's making Scranton pay for Wall Street's uh, education. Um, and then second of all, the climate stuff, this guy, this guy, I mean, the hypocrisy of that event the other day is, is so there's so many levels. We could, we could spend an entire written broadcast of you talking about it. But let me just drill down on one. He just talked about how this is the greatest thing for climate change in the history of Congress. And then he left that event and got on Air Force One to fly 100 miles to Delaware to cast a ballot in person. The Mr. Mr. Mail-in ballot, Mr. Absentee ballot, you know, anyone who opposes that is a racist. Um, and, and then flies back 
emitting tons of carbon into the atmosphere when he was just in, in Delaware on Saturday and could have taken advantage of early voting? Did like the White House not say, hey, Mr. President, what's your plan to vote? They didn't even have that. You know, so he's he's literally, the, you know, everybody's all these climate activists have been, you know, roasting Kylie Jenner and all these celebrities for taking 17 minute flights on their private jets. He just flew Air Force One on a 27 minute flight to Delaware and back to vote. You know, it also shows me in hearing you say this, it also shows me there's an, there's no good body man or schedule with him. I mean, for the most part. Hey, Mr. President, just so you know, uh, early voting. Today's early voting. Fill out this ballot, sir. Thank you. I'll fill up the envelope. You know, you and I don't have butlers, uh, but he's got 25. Uh, uh, yeah, we're interviewing. Yeah, you're right, Mark. I should not have jumped to conclusion. So, I mean, if anybody should know about early voting, it's him. Instead, oh, my goodness, you didn't vote. And now we have people on the lawn. We can't take the chopper. So now we got to put you in a, 100 SUVs. We got to bring you uh, to Air Force One. Then you got to go to Delaware. Then you got to stop by your house. And then you got to fly back. How is that efficient? And by the way, guess where Kamala Harris is going today to talk about climate change? Buffalo. Can she walk? I don't think so. Is she going on a passenger jet? Not sure. Pretty sure the answer is Air Force Two. So can somebody else, they want everybody else to sacrifice. They want everybody else to pay more money for these uh, cars, find some charging station, and then, of course, they're not going to be affected by it. When it's all perfected, they're out in the real world and they got drivers and Secret Service anyway. So real quick, on the things that matter most to the midterms, number one, inflation, 59% said that is. 50% said the number one problem is future of democracy. Number three, 45% said abortion. Did... Lindsey Graham coming out, making a speech on abortion and saying this help or hurt cut 30. Uh, I, I will, you know what? I'll ask you, uh, did it help or hurt when he came out and said he's going to push for legislation to have uh, the life of baby end of fi- the decision ended 15 weeks? So I get what Lindsey's trying to do, which is to push back on the Democrats extremism, because the fact is there was a Harvard caps poll uh, that that showed Seventy-two percent of Americans support uh, restricting abortion to the first 15 weeks, including 79 percent of women and 50 percent of Democrats. So what Lindsay is trying to say is we're here's the majoritarian position when it comes to abortion. The problem is, is that Republicans have been saying, conservatives have been saying for the last five decades, we need to repeal Roe v. Wade and send it back to the states. And so it, may, it puts abortion right. It puts all these candidates who are out there on the campaign trail saying, look, this is a state issue. I hope we elect state legislators to do this. Congress should not be legislating the abortion law, throws them under the bus. So I think it's a huge mistake. Huge mistake. And it did overwhelm one of the biggest mistakes you could ever make as a president. And that celebrate a 1500 point or a 1200 point yeah. Dow Jones drop. Inflation at eight point three percent. So instead of we don't want to talk change, about abortion, we're talking about inflation. Right. Uh, so what do you do if you're Republicans? You you do, can't so not not talk about it. So what you do is you say there was there's that young lady who who won the primary in uh, in New Hampshire who was on uh, on Fox yesterday and she handled it exactly right. She said, "I believe in the right to life, but I also believe in the Constitution." And the Constitution says this is a state issue, and I think the state should handle it. Um, but the other part of it is we should push back and say, but, you know, if my, my opponent wants to talk about abortion, here's a simple question for him. What name the restrictions you would put on abortion? Because the American people, the mo- majority of Americans don't believe in abortion on demand up until the moment of birth. And so te- that's what my opponent believes in. 
And so they're the extremists. Make them own their abortion extremism and say it's a state issue that should be decided by the state. Mark Thiessen, I decided that we can't go through the break. I don't have that type of power. So thank you very much for joining me. (laughs) Got to pay the bills. You got it. Mark Thiessen, thanks. Uh, When we come back, your thoughts about what Mark said. 1-866-408-7669. Brian Kilmeade Show. Learning something new every day on The Brian Kilmeade Show. A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Hey, welcome back, everyone. 1-866-408-7669. Doug, you're listening online in Illinois. Hey, Doug. Hey, Brian. Uh, I was just calling, but you guys are talking about uh, Lindsey Graham. And I, yeah. I thought the Dobbs decision actually made it so it had to go back to the state. Yes. Uh, even even the people the running on codifying Roe, uh, I don't think they can at the federal level. I mean, I'm not a lawyer, but I'd love to hear what some of your the legal experts uh, really do say. Uh, that decision right. seems to put it back to the states and the well, states only. A couple of things. I have heard that is legally challenging. We'll have to see who would stay and who would sue for it and, you know, and, and go from there. But let's forget legal. I was just talking more political. So it's what you bring up and how you bring it up. Crime should be number one thing people talk about. Uh, number two, inflation, and that fits in the whole category of the economy and what you would do different, how you'd go about it, not just, I, I'm against crime, no kidding. And at the border, what you would do. And then the question is, when Lindsey Graham stepped forward and does the press conference, it makes everybody talk about that, and Democrats revel in it. And that's why I was talking tactics rather than reality. And I don't know if he could even do what he said he was going to do with a, with a, with a Democratic-run government. Uh, could you go offer that in the Senate, get it passed, and then bring it up in the House? Would they be looking to do that? So thanks for the call. Listen, when we come back, I'm going to be joined by Congressman Lee Zeldin. This guy is on the move. He's got a legitimate shot of being the first Republican governor since Pataki, who won three straight terms. Can he do it? We will see. Lee Zeldin next. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. I'm not going to mince words here. The governor of Texas is forcing on New York and D.C. and Chicago and potentially other places a needlessly last-minute and complex process that is a heartless display of politics over people. Why not give reasonable notice? Why send these folks only to blue cities or blue states? This is about politics for him. It is a manufactured crisis by ambush. Any dollar that goes to the state of Texas, every single one of those dollars needs to be re-committed to cities like Chicago, New York, and Washington, D.C. Oh, really? Going to go recommit dollars in Texas to those high-tax states like uh, Illinois and New York? Because they get about 7,000 illegals a day and the rest of the country ignores it. All the blue states ignore it. The president ignores it. So they have to take action. And now New York says they're overrun. They're creating these immigrant reception areas where they I watched today live and Mayor Adams walking around. See, I see brand new shirts and sneakers and beds. We're all paying for that because the administration won't crack down on that. Uh, Congressman Lee Zeldin joins us now. He wants to be the he is the Republican nominee for governor and he wants to be the next governor of uh, this state. 
Congressman, there is a crisis going on right now. I take Mayor Adams at his word that that these homeless shelters are already overrun. How would you handle this? There is a crisis. It's a crisis at our southern border. And these border communities, these border states are desperate. They need to get the attention of President Biden and the Biden administration. They're desperately trying to figure out how to do that, and they don't know what else to do. Uh, now they, they have started to get the attention of the Democratic Party. And basically, if President Biden and Vice President Harris won't come down to the border, then you have a governor bringing the border to them, forcing them to do their jobs. Now, but here's the other issue, though, on top of the federal government falling on their faces, that you have state and local governments turning into sanctuary states, sanctuary cities. We see that in New York. In New York City, they wanted to uh, give non-citizens the right to vote. Fortunately, a court just overturn that. That would have been over 800,000 people. What you see in the New York state budget year after year is they keep coming up with new goodies, uh, new rewards, incentives that they dangle out for people who are deciding whether or not to come into our country, where they realize that if they come in and they go to New York, that they find sanctuary and a whole lot of money that hardworking, law-abiding New Yorkers who pay a lot in taxes and are already struggling to make ends meet, they're the ones who are going to have to bear that burden. So when you hear Democrats talking about free housing, free education, free health care, free money on top of it, free phones, whatever is in that goodie bag, it's time for us to come to this reality right now that while the federal government needs to finish construction of the border wall, support our Customs and Border Patrol agents, end catch and release, enforce the Remain in Mexico policy, and that they need to stop incentivizing and rewarding this illegal entry. What right. we also need is for places like the state of New York to also stop incentivizing and rewarding illegal entry and to call on this president and this administration to do their job. There's a lot that the state can be doing that's not doing it's actually making things worse not better right now i want you to hear carrie lake she's also a republican nominee for the governorship but in arizona when tucker carlson last night said to carrie hey listen they are now the governor of florida is now dropping illegal immigrants off in martha's vineyard here's what she said cut 16 You know, I actually, I get a kick out of it watching these liberal mayors just, you know, throw their hands up and say we can't handle it because it's life every day for us in these border states. However, I'm not a fan of it, Tucker. I mean, we're just taking people here illegally who shouldn't be here. We're moving them further inland. My plan is the most bold, aggressive plan on the border. We're going to secure the border. We're going to call it what it is, issue a declaration of invasion on day one, get troops on the border in the form of our National Guard. We're going to stop people from coming over. And we're going to stop the the cartels from having control of our border. Now, look, you don't have cartels on our border, on your border in New York. But what kind of uh, substantive action could you take? Because this city, the city is a sanctuary city, which means you get here, you can stay, you cannot be deported. You know, as I was listening to, to that clip, it's crazy that you have people who feel like this is their responsibility at the state level on the border. I mean, the fact that you even have this being discussed in the Arizona governor's race says a lot about the lack of leadership and action at the at the federal level. I mean, what we see in New York is that the, the biggest c- contributor is, one, lack of leadership and silence when flights are secretly coming in the mi- middle of the night and bringing people legally. The, the governor here doesn't say anything about it because – 
she doesn't want to put any pressure on her fellow Democrat, President Biden. I, as governor, obviously wouldn't be hesitating during this process. It's not just about putting pressure to, to stop this Biden travel agency that provide the flights and provide the phones, uh, but it's also about providing answers to New Yorkers who want to know who's coming, when they're coming, yeah. where are they going, what the cost is. There's just been so much secrecy, so that's another way to help. As, as you go through the state budget and what we just saw this past year is that they expanded Medicaid to provide additional taxpayer dollars to people who are legally here. The year prior was a multi-billion dollar excluded workers fund. I don't support either of that. The, the excluded workers fund is what they called it for people who are legally in this country to be able to get a COVID response money, free money. So uh, as far as the budget, I think that's the most important thing for the governor, the government in Albany to be able to do to tackle this. Uh, but I got to tell you, it, it pains me to hear an Arizona governor's race or a Texas governor's race where they feel like they have to yeah. propose doing it themselves. It shouldn't be on them. So right now we're looking at the polls uh, and we talked about this before. I'm not even sure what's on the air and off the air. But you feel like you got about about 30 percent of New York City voters. Uh, you feel as though the upstate belongs to you and Long Island belongs to you. The question is by how much. Trafalgar did a poll, and they were remarkably accurate last time. And in the one in August, you were laid off last week in August, Hochul by five. And now it's even down even further. Where do you think this race is at right now? I think it's good to look at it at about a mid-single-digit race at the moment. And, and that's a good place to be right now in the middle of September. At the end of the 1994 race between George Pataki against Mario Cuomo, last time New York State elected a new Republican governor, uh, he was down the last six public polls the last week of the election. All had him down. Four of the six public polls had him down double digits. The average was 11.5 points. He won by 3.5, so the polls were 15 points off the week of the election. Now, we're running, we're running statewide. If you run for mayor of New York City, you have to win New York City, and, and the candidate on the Republican line won for mayor of New York City a whole bunch of times, beating the candidate on the Democrat line in recent history, right up until when Bill de Blasio got elected and started bringing everything down pretty quickly in New York City. What we need, as you pointed out, you mentioned that 30 percent number, if we get less than 29 percent of the vote in New York City, we can't win. If we get more than 35% of the vote in New York City, we can't lose. We have to work hard everywhere so everyone in all 62 counties of the state, they can help by mining for every last possible friend, neighbor, person they know to get out and vote in this election coming up in, in you know, seven and a half weeks. Inside of New York City, if we don't get that 29% number, we're just not going to win. But what's kind of exciting is when you look at how important the issues are, especially of crime, number one, and the economy, and the amount of Democrats who every single day, prominent Democrats, day after day, are endorsing our campaign, sitting elected officials, former elected officials, Democratic community leaders, I feel like we should just go for that 35% and beyond number and win this well, race. Who just are the Democrats, the Lee, who are the Democrats that have supported you? I know Holden came out on Monday. 
Yeah, so Robert Holden, a New York City councilman, uh, and sitting New York City councilman, endorsed us earlier this week. Uh, Steve Kaufman, former New York State Assemblyman. Dove Hyken, former New York State Assemblyman. Ruben Diaz, former New York State Senator, and until last year was a New York City councilman. Last night there was an op-ed uh, that posted online at the New York Post of uh, Andrew Stein, who's a former president of the New York City Council, Manhattan Borough President, uh, and a state assemblyman. Uh, and then there was a bunch of community leaders as well. Uh, and uh, we posted a video on our social media where people can watch individuals outside of government, but they run groups. And they're talking about how their entire lives, they've only voted Democrat. This is the first time in their entire life that they're voting Republican. So you, oh, you just got a million dollars, I think half of which from uh, the SD Law, a member of the SD Lauder family. Uh, so that that certainly will help will help you get on the offensive, but you're never going to be able to outraise uh, Governor Hochul because there's such Democratic stalwarts here, correct? That's right. We don't have the good news is that we don't have to outraise her. And especially good news is because we're not going to outraise her. She's refusing to talk about the issues that matter most to New Yorkers. So she's blowing through a whole lot of extra money by trying to change the topic. And she'd rather talk about Trump than us over here talking about tackling rising crime and making it safe to be able to walk the streets. I mean, it, there are Democrats in New York City who used to be able to go take a, a stroll for 15 blocks on a beautiful Manhattan summer night. And instead, if they're going to blocks, they have to call an Uber. They used to ride the subway, but now they don't. And if they do, they're hugging a pole or grabbing a guardrail because they're afraid of being pushed in front of an oncoming subway car. So we won't have as much money as Kathy Hochul does. uh, But as long as we're sitting here talking about the issues that matter most to New Yorkers and our solutions to fix it, it's all good. And we're going to win this race on November 8th. So what happened with her in Buffalo and special interests that they say this is as big as the Buffalo Billion scandal that almost destroyed Cuomo? Yeah, the secret process to get hundreds of millions of dollars of taxpayer dollars in order to get a new Buffalo Bill Stadium. And I understand this desire to have a new Bill Stadium, but you don't have to totally fleece the New York State taxpayer to do it. You can actually advocate for a good deal, you know, because yes, you might be a fan of a particular team. You're also the governor of the state. You have a duty to taxpayers, and she wasn't able to do both in being able to secure a deal that gets a new stadium and doesn't fleece the taxpayers. Every 30 days, she's been signing off on these COVID emergency powers. They just finally expired this week. She had one family donate $300,000 to her, and then and that company that they own, uh, they ended up getting an over $600 million COVID testing contract, no bid. It was all processed in one day, and the state is paying twice the price of the COVID test. So, uh, you know, $300,000 donation, $600 million in return. Yeah, so, I mean, that's, that's enough to destroy any campaign. The one thing is pretty clear. Her numbers aren't going to grow, in my opinion. doesn't have much charisma. Her Most of her constituencies upstate. She never knew Governor Cuomo. She was put there to help help sew up us upstate. So your challenge would be to sell yourself to to Democrats. I will say I've always upstate all weekend going to various soccer games. My kid, I have two uh, daughters who play college soccer. So I was at four different colleges. Uh, every town has I've never seen uh, so many so many Zeldin signs or any sign outside Trump in my life. So upstate, they are ready for a change. Do you sense that? Oh, big time. And listen, New York, people look at New York as a blue state. We have 62 counties. 
it's because of four counties, four of the five, four of the five boroughs of New York City, Staten Island aside. That's the reason why people call the blue state. If you took those four counties out on a given election, it's a red state. And the fact is that there are all 62 counties voting on the, the same day, uh, and that's why we have to make sure we hit that vocal of getting at least 29%. The reason why we don't have to win New York City, we just can't lose it by more than 40, is because of what you're seeing. And I'm seeing it as well when I travel around the state, all across the state. People want to end one-party rule. They want to fire Kathy Hochul. They're hitting their breaking point in the state. They're thinking about fleeing themselves. The state leads the entire nation in population loss, and they realize that Kathy Hochul is not going to do anything about it. She hasn't accepted any debate request yet. She's calling on me and people like me to leave the state, declaring that we're no longer New Yorkers. We're not welcome here anymore just because we challenge her. There's a whole lot of New Yorkers who resent this governor's entire approach to the job, realizing that she is not up to this task. Well, they actually said that. Uh, You should go to Florida. You see, yeah, you and words, Donald Trump. She, yeah. So she, I've never heard that before in my life. Now, I know the pre, uh, former president raised about a million dollars for you. Where do you stand? I know I know you were one of his staunchest supporters. But Glenn Youngkin said, yeah, I appreciate President Trump's support, but I'm running on my own. In a blue state like this, what's the role of President Trump? We, we raised uh, over a million dollars. It was actually closer to a million and a half at a great fundraiser that took place a couple weeks ago, and uh, the funding is, uh, is important to help get our message out. And what we're looking to do is to be the governor for all New Yorkers, and that includes people who like President Trump. They supported him. There are other people who didn't vote for him. They're not supporters of President Trump. I'm running as my own man to be the governor of the state of New York and to be the governor for all New Yorkers, and that's going to include a coalition of people who might have been the biggest supporters of President Trump and others who might not have been. And that's, and that's okay because what, what's most important is making sure that life in New York is one where we can feel safe again in our streets, we can afford to pay right. our bills, we have a government and, that isn't attacking and Congressman, our real quick, freedom. I'm up against a break, uh, but right now the budget's so tight, the mayor has to cut 3% across the board on all agencies, including the NYPD. With the budget like this and under a minute left, how do you crack down on crime? Well, we, I mean, we, we have to overhaul cashless bail. We need to fire rogue district attorneys like Alvin Bragg, who refuse to enforce the law. We need to get rid of the HALT Act because our corrections officers are under attack. We have to overhaul the parole board, releasing cop killers and murderers and rapists. We need those lax judges to be doing their job because they're releasing violent criminals on the streets. There's uh, on our website, zeldinfornewyork.com slash secureourstreets, a couple dozen or so proposals that directly answer your question. Go get him. Uh, Congressman Lee Zeldin uh, looking to pull off the upset of the year and uh, shocking Governor Hochul. Thanks, Congressman. Best of Thanks, luck. Thanks, Brian. You got it. Uh, out in Suffolk County. He's won in a very uh, purple area. Can he win in a blue state? This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Back with you in a moment. Newsmakers and newsbreakers. Hear it first on the Brian Kilmeade Show. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. I believe that journalism is extremely important. I've had a media credential in Chicago for over 10 years, Emmy Award winning, print, radio, TV. But Mayor Lightfoot is the least transparent mayor in our city's history. And sadly, 
my, for better or for worse, the reason my questions were so effective is because I was asking the questions that real Chicagoans wanted to hear. But they were hurting her re-election campaign, so she canceled my media credential. Which is unbelievable, but that's William Kelly, Chicago reporter. Can you imagine that? Following a mayor around asking tough questions in a tough city like Chicago where crime is everywhere. And she didn't like it, so she steals his credential. Cut 18. More from William Kelly. I think the real scandal here is that the mayor Lifewood has 80-plus security guards that are assigned to protect her from me asking her questions during a re-election campaign at a, at a time when the Chicago police are down 1,500 officers, crime is out of control, there's uh, record low arrests, and a spike in police suicides. It's my prayer that a federal judge will restore my media credential tomorrow so I can go back to Chicago City Hall and ask about the spike in uh, police suicide. I, I hope he does. I mean, can you imagine not being able to ask tough questions? Why even have a job? Hey, go to BrianKillMe.com, order any of my books, you can get them signed. I can send them out, even personalize them, and find out how you to see me in Tulsa and Brandon, Mississippi. News headquarters in New York City. Always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade. Yeah, that guy was Bobby Moynihan, and he plays me uh, a fat me. On SNL. So someone said to me, actually, was it, was it Allison's idea for me to send him a book? And then evidently he was on Howard Stern's after show. And he was asked about, hey, you play Brian Kilmeade on, on SNL. He goes, yeah, he sent me a book. I'm not a fan. So Did you that, describe it with anything? Hmm. I don't think so. I, I, maybe I just said um, lose some weight. I don't know if I said anything like that. But I just... The main thing, they made me seem like a, a moron, which is okay, but it's just the whole 100 pounds overweight that's I know, that, my that skin. was setting you off oh. for weeks, just the, the weight aspect. Dr. Uh, Dr. Oz is waiting online. I'm going to get to him in a second, one of the most exciting races in the country. Bottom of the hour, Tim Kennedy, one of our uh, fiercest fighters, sniper, former UFC fighter, served in Afghanistan. He Now he's with Save Our Allies. The change in tone and tactics have really paid off in the Ukraine. The Russians are on the retreat. Tim Kennedy was on the ground. I want to get his take on these new sign of events and maybe an assassination attempt on Vladimir Putin. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Setting the table for the midterm elections. We have some new Fox News polls out tonight. Voters are extremely concerned about inflation at 59%. The state of democracy at 50%. You see abortion ticking up there, but at 45% and crime at 43%. Yeah, big change. Primaries complete. Matchups are set. Latest on uh, on the, all the races. And what's going to decide the party in power and the issues that matter most. Number two. With Governor DeSantis actually uh, delivering them to Martha's Vineyard, we're going to see a whole new awareness on a sanctuary state where all of a sudden this open border kind of mentality is coming home to roost. Mark Meadows uh, talking about the border crisis. It's been horrific. A reality show for Arizona and Texas. But now it's for 
Chicago, New York, Washington, D.C., and Martha's Vineyard. Plane loads arriving in that luxury city, uh, which pretty hard to get to. Not if you're an illegal. Also, the VP's residence. How do you feel about those tactics? Number one. Now we're choosing to build a better America. An America that's confronting the climate crisis with America's workers leading the way. We're rebuilding an economy, a clean energy economy. Really? On whose back? Energy and the economy. While the president brags about his climate bill and demos electric cars, what about all those losing jobs that don't make electric cars? Our economy is being driven off a cliff. And I want to bring that to Dr. Oz. Dr. Oz got this broad background. Uh, because of success in syndicated television, he's got this great sense of international business. Uh, a self-made surgeon uh, who is, uh, by all accounts, one of the best in the business and then had one of the most successful syndicated shows uh, in television and said, you know what, I'm going to try something else. I'm going to try to get that Senate seat in Pennsylvania. After a rugged primary run against Dave McCormick, very formidable, he prevails, now trailing by about four points, according to some of the most of the polls, uh, to a guy coming off a stroke, uh, six foot, six inch, uh, former Lieutenant Governor uh, Fetterman. Joining me now, Dr. Oz. Dr. Oz, welcome back. Thank you very much. And I think you hit the nail on the head with that initial point. People are concerned about the economy, specifically taxes and cost of food. And they are really upset about crime in my uh, commonwealth, my Pennsylvania, because they've got the highest murder rates ever in our history in Philadelphia. And since you mentioned Fetterman, you know, he thinks he's above the people, he's above the law. He backed massive middle class tax hikes, but did not pay his own 67 times. You heard right. 67 liens because he didn't pay his taxes, but he's very happy to jack up taxes on folks who don't have much. The middle class is really getting hurt. So no one really talks about that. They just talk about how he's an everyman candidate wearing a hoodie, um, getting kind of big crowds. He was a pundit on MSNBC and then decides to throw his hat in the ring. But if you look at his background, he's more Bernie Sanders uh, than he is a moderate. Well, without question, he's much, much further to the left of Joe Biden. You know, he's uh, said all kinds of reprehensible things about Biden not being liberal enough. And before you say he has big crowds, he doesn't do any events. I mean, the man has spoken for less than half an hour the entire campaign. Out of all the talks he gives together, he doesn't talk enough. He's having trouble, obviously, because he had a stroke, and I have tremendous empathy for that. But I've been pushing him and squeezing him to do a debate, and we're, you know, getting closer. But I mean, it's just remarkable that he doesn't think he has to answer any questions. And this is an issue for democracy to cope with. Can you imagine having to vote for a person who has not answered a single question on the campaign trail from a reporter, not answered a single voter's question on the campaign trail, and hasn't talked to me or answered any of my questions because he won't debate me? And these are the kinds of, of, of changes to how the Democrats are running candidates that really are bothersome because you can manufacture a candidate on television commercials. You make the person seem like they're the ideal candidate for America, but they're a facade. They're a fiction. They're not real. They're a comic book. Uh, John Fetterman speaking Sunday. He did, he did have an event over the weekend. Here's what he said Sunday about you. Cut 21. I truly hope for each and every one of you, you didn't have a doctor in your life making fun of it, making light of it, or telling you that you're not fit to be served. No? But unfortunately, I do. You making fun of him? Of course not. I've said, like I just did with you, when I speak about John Fetterman, I have empathy for his condition. I've, I've dealt with heart failure. I've dealt with strokes. 
with my patients. I know how difficult it is for what he's going through. My argument is completely different. I'm saying either you're healthy enough to debate and you say you are, so then debate. Otherwise, I'm going to assume you're trying to hide your radical record from us or you're lying about your health. Either way, we got a problem here, but it's not fair to the voters of Pennsylvania. It's dismissive of them for you not to think you have to answer any questions. And I just mentioned the fact that he's got you know, 67 liens for not paying his taxes, but this is a man who wanted to release one-third of all prisoners in Pennsylvania, did his best on the parole board, the free convicted murders with life sentences over the objections of the other parole board members. In the meantime, violent crime skyrocketed in his the town where he had been mayor is skyrocketing in Pennsylvania, and people are upset about it. Doesn't he have to answer for why these policies don't work? And his argument is, I tweeted it out. It sounded cool. People liked it. I don't have to defend my policies. And I say in America, you do. I have positions that I take. I defend them every day. I've done 200 campaign events. He's done half a dozen. I mean, it doesn't make sense that, that he would think that is what campaigning is about. But I'm not surprised because he doesn't like to show up for things. He doesn't show up for his work. He hasn't gone to... His job as lieutenant governor, he didn't show up for a lot of the most of what I can tell his mayor meetings. People don't like him for that reason, and yet he thinks he should get promoted for not doing his job. In America, you should have to work to earn your promotion. So I want you to hear what else he uh, said he would do a couple of Sundays ago. Cut 22. Who wants me to be the 51st vote? Do you know what I would do if I was that 51st vote? First... Rid of the filibuster. Right next, codify Roe. So, I mean, that's what, that's what he believes that he would do first. And I think that anyone who wants to get rid of the filibuster, if you're a Democrat, is nuts. Because two years later, it's overwhelming that Republicans are going to take the Senate. Do they, and there's an excellent chance that a Republican will win the White House. Do they want to make the same mistake again? I, they have not learned from the mistakes they made around the Supreme Court when Harry Reid did this you know, eight years ago. That he has very little desire to compromise. He said, if you like Joe Manchin, don't vote for me. He won't even work with people in his own party, Ryan. This is a radical person that uh, Pennsylvania is considering sending to the Senate, and I'm going to stop. Because if he busts the filibuster, if he packs the Supreme Court, uh, if he's able to get more states added, it hurts this country in ways that are not easy to fix. And it is imperative, especially if you're going to put someone in a job, that they're willing to work hard at it and do their homework and be thoughtful about their decisions. That is not John Fetterman's pathway. He's done all kinds of unhinged things in his life, uh, but he is the darling of the liberals on the coast, his money, and he's getting a gargantuan amount, which is why this is such a tight race. He is getting uh, supported by people who don't know his radical policies. That's why I ask if, if you're concerned and you should be, go to DrOz.com. Republicans are not donating as much as Democrats are. In fairness, we don't need as much money because we're better candidates. It takes a lot of money to sell something you don't have. But Folks need to go to DrOz.com and keep me close to him financially. Otherwise, they tell a fairy tale in their commercials, and we have to call them out on it. If I can define John Fetterman as someone who thinks he's above the people and the law, as someone who cares about criminals over the innocent, I win this election. It's that simple. So please consider supporting me. Uh, Dr. Oz, a couple of things. If I was, if I was to suffer a, a stroke, and I'm kind of against it. I hope it doesn't happen. I have the most supportive management. But I wouldn't. And if I was unable to talk, I would not be able to keep this job. 
And if you were, you wouldn't be able to stay on your talk show, and I wouldn't be able to keep Fox and Friends. It just would be flat out, Brian. As you get better, uh, come back, and that would be fact. You might say it's cruel, but it's a fact because people are paying to get to get information from me or my opinion. If I can, uh, if I can uh, elaborate on that, I can't do my job. It doesn't mean people that have to tell me to take some time off to recover are bad people. Is that how you feel? You don't have anything against them. But if you can't do the job, it's important to point that out. Many have raised this issue, and I don't even have to because even the liberal media is arguing what you just said because they don't want someone who's— The Washington Post. The The Washington Post came out and said you got to debate at least twice. And debate early. Don't try to stall till the last day. And I'm skeptical he'll show up. It worries me that he wouldn't ever be put on the spot by, by, by me, voters, or by the press. But here's the, the deeper truth. He hasn't told us anything. If you did have a stroke, Brian, you'd probably share your medical records or enough information to educate yeah. folks making the decision with you. He hasn't shared any of the real information we would need to know in order to decide if he's capable, and he doesn't intend to, and he needs to be called out for that. That's an element of transparency that all of us deserve to vote for a seat in the U.S. Senate. Well, the thing is, there's so much early voting, so he is waiting to the last minute. It'll be October 25th in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Uh, it'll be on Nextdoor, hosted by Nextdoor Television. Uh, we understand uh, the will be live on local network affiliates who cover all 67 counties. He has some things that he wants done. He says a moderator must explain to the audience that Fetterman is using a closed caption system during the debate to explain any delay between him being asked a question and responding. And the questions asked by any next door employee during the practice session for Fetterman bear zero resemblance to the actual questions during the debate. I guess he needs a practice session because of the electronics. He needs several practice sessions. That's what he's asked for. Again, I, I, uh, empathize. I said, yes, take your practice sessions. Then he said, I need closed captioning so I can actually see the words written. He has trouble, I'm, I'm told, we haven't seen the records, but he has trouble processing words. So he doesn't put the words together when he hears them. He can maybe read them and make more sense of, of what these words are. And by the way, there's no closed captioning on the Senate floor. The greatest deliberative body in America, you don't get to have closed captioning. So these are issues that that he'll have to work through if he is elected. But the biggest concern now is he doesn't want to do it till very late. And he wants a very short debate. Well, if you're only going to do one, which, as you point out, the Washington Post argues you must do several. If you're going to do it so late that the absent that the absentee ballots are already returned, which could be 25 percent of all the ballots, you're cheating the voters. You're you're dodging the the, the debate. And I'm saying, well, then at least debate me for, uh, you know, make up the time that you're wasting with the closed captioning where you have to read the questions and process them and then slowly answer them. Let at least go to 90 minutes. And they're arguing that. Again, they're not serious about debating. They don't want the debate. They're trying to avoid it. And we have to hold them accountable. So if you're a listener right now, tell your friends in Pennsylvania, go to DrRouse.com, support us. But you must get vocal. This is a national implication race. Uh, and that'll be so you want it from 60 to 90 minutes. And do you have a moderator picked out? I don't have the moderator, but Nextdoor is a strong system. I agreed to seven debates, you should know. Uh, I, I agreed to seven large media debates from the big companies that often do them. He's only accepted this one so far. I think with more pressure, maybe he'll – listen, he only accepted this one because literally there was a chorus from every media outlet. As you point out, from the Washington Post to Fox News and everyone in between – was crying for some degree of, of integrity here. At least let us hear you speak once about uh, you know, your issues. Let someone ask you one 
set of questions. And I'm arguing that these should be the same number of questions you would normally have in a debate. So at least there's one fair chance. I wish there were more, but you know, he's pretty, you know, he's very evasive, very dodgy, doesn't show up, doesn't answer uh, requests and doesn't answer questions. So it's a weird campaign. Yeah, it's uh, it definitely makes it a little bit difficult for you. I mean, the positive thing is that he's so different than you would think Pennsylvania is being that he's way to the left. Uh, the negative thing is because of his health uh, issues or whatever, he does not want to debate you. So it's hard to go at somebody who's just attacking you through staffers and social media. I mean, they say that you are making fun of him, which I don't think that you have that in your system. But the, the attacks that have come through social media have been pretty cutting on you. Without question, they're fighting a, a, an ugly battle. They started it. They have been trolling people for years. You, you know me. I've joined you countless times in, on this show and Fox and Friends. It's not my personality to make fun or belittle people. I wouldn't argue the issues. And that's why he's in a panic. Their lead has evaporated because all he talks about are ad hominem attacks on me. But if you're a mom struggling to put food on the table for your kids, uh, and if you're struggling um, as a business owner to get past these ridiculous regulations, if, if you're worried uh, that crime is skyrocketed in your community, Betterman making fun of Oz doesn't help that. I'm actually specifically addressing these issues. I got the unanimous endorsement by the Fraternal Order of Police because they're so upset at how Fetterman undermines them. I know that, that we can improve uh, our, our, our city street safety and reduce fentanyl deaths, which are skyrocketing in Pennsylvania. We're number three in the country if we close the border but right. allow legal immigration. And I also know that if we allow energy production to continue in Pennsylvania, we'll drop inflation for the entire country. Yeah, if you guys, got a, you guys got a frack again, uh, you're up. You're trailing by five, according to CBS. Uh, by double figures, according to Monmouth. Uh, but the fight has just begun. I know Dave McCormick is now in your corner. Pat Toomey strongly there. And we know the president, a former president has always been there. Best of luck, Dr. Oz. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Hey, welcome back. I'll try to get to the phone calls right now as we continue to see events now. The president taking a bow for ending the railroad strike. I didn't even know what was happening until the other day. Uh, let's go to Howard in Ocean Beat, in Ocean Grove, New Jersey. Uh, hi, Ryan. Uh, just a, a couple comments regarding uh, Dobbs and abortion, and then would like to know what you think about it. Uh, this would have been a great time for uh, the Chief Justice to have crafted a compromise for now and not let this issue uh, come to the forefront, but I guess that's where it is at the moment. Uh, it's my belief that uh, the Republican candidates should all start with what my opponent is not telling you and then go through the litany of horrible things that uh, occur as post-abortion and up to the last minute and all the rest of all that. And just in last comment on all that, it, 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 I think it's very lame, and it doesn't help when they say it's gone back to the states. That's not going to convince anybody, particularly people that are just not really aware of everything and believe all this stuff that abortion is not available anymore. Mm-hmm. wonder what you think. Well, I just think back to the states makes sense because it's accurate. Number two, the chief justice had a chance to craft a compromise, could not get it. So there you have it. Uh, the Republicans should be ready to answer the question. Like Marco Rubio did. He says, I'm pro-life. I'd like zero weeks, but the people of Florida don't. They want 15 weeks, and that's where they'll probably stay, especially if you're a Senate candidate. It's not really going to affect you if it's a Senate candidate. Uh, thanks so much for listening, everybody. Brian Kilmeade, Joe, back with Tim Kennedy in a moment. Talk war. 
Radio that makes you think. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. What's happened here is that to the credit of the administration, they seem to be all in and making sure that the sophisticated weapons that Ukraine needs to win on the battlefield is going. Uh, On the sanctions front, they've been great. Uh, We're trying to put another tool in the toolbox. So the way I look at this is that the combined effect of what Congress has done and what the administration has done is leading to outcomes nobody could imagine when this thing first started. Uh, that is uh, Senator Lindsey Graham, but also pointing out, too, that they didn't get it there fast enough, wasn't there before the invasion happened, even though they predicted it would take place. And they so far, uh, we still have held back on certain things that could permanently shift the tide. But the last time I talked to my next guest, things looked pretty grim for the Ukrainians. And he was over there himself. He was also at the airport when the explosion happened uh, at Abbey Gate uh, and has fought for this country over the course of years as a sniper. Uh, and served in Afghanistan. Now with Save Our Allies, and and, uh, his book is now out. Uh, Tim Kennedy joins us now. Hey, Tim, welcome back. What do you say now about things happening on the ground? Do the Ukrainians have a reason to be optimistic? I mean, hope and optimism is something that you have to have on the battlefield, uh, you know, regardless of how things are going. Um, But how things are going, there is a reason for hope. You know, but as we're moving into fall, as winter is right here on the horizon, you know, like the, uh, how many times have they said it, you know, all the way back to Genghis Khan about fighting the Russians in the winter. Uh, we're, we're, we're on, we're on the precipice of what I think is going to be one of the worst humanitarian crises in, in modern day history, which is going to be Eastern Europe this winter. And, um, you know, if they don't get ground, if they don't get power plants back up and running, if, if we don't get gas flowing, you know, it's, um, if we're not able to maintain the control of that harbor, that bay, then, you know, we're, we're talking about some dire situations coming up. So 3,000 square miles roughly have been gained back. We see uh, Russians are changing their uniforms into civilian clothes and running. They have evidently picked up so much Russian hardware between tanks and personnel carriers and guns uh, while they move forward. And now there's a thought that uh, Kyrgyzstan, they might have to move troops over to help stop the advancement freeing things up in the South, but you've been on the ground. I mean, the Ukrainians seem organized. Their intelligence seems great. The HIMARS seem to be working. Uh, there seems to be even Russian television being critical of uh, Russian military. So, I mean, these are some of the things I never would have predicted, correct? Yeah, you're not wrong at all. Um, and I, when the invasion started and the efficiency, the effectiveness, I mean, almost similar to you know, Germany's blitz campaign uh, back in World War II, where they're just taking ground. You know, we see them all the way into the capital of Kiev and past and beyond, and even like the north and south crescents, almost reaching down to the Sea of Azov, you know, and obviously the invasion coming from Belarus, um, you know, that being a proxy, uh, a safe haven, a a lily pad for the military forces of Russia. Uh, Now, you know, it's, I'm I'm dumbfounded as to the strategy of Russia and, uh, you know, like, unless they want a prolonged war and, you know, this, that is a battle of attrition that they're very able to win. Um, you know, if, even though we see ground being taken, you know, be, having, you know, we have an amazing team on the ground. Save Our Allies is doing great humanitarian work. Um, you know, like our, our, our expeditionary forces there are, are really, really trying to, to, to do good. And there's so much good that has to be done there. 
it, it's horrible. I mean, it is, is horrific, the, the, the violence and the civilian populace that has had to absorb the collateral damage that's come from the ineffectiveness of the Russian troops. Um, even though we've gained ground, the Ukraine's like, – and I, when I say we, man, I am not a fan of communism, and, uh, and boy, am I not a fan of the Putin military invasion of sovereign nation. So uh, I, I, there should be some solidarity in wanting to fight communism on every single front, which is why I say we – and, um, you know, the Save Our Allies trying to do good there. But, man, there's so much more that has to be done. Tim Kennedy, our guest, his book is uh, Scars and Stripes. It's out. you got to go pick it up. So I understand this. Vladimir Putin's limousine was hit by a loud bang and a possible attack. Uh, he was evidently in a decoy um, uh, contingent, at which time, according to Telegram, which I think they communicate a lot on, the head of his security has now been arrested. A narrow circle of people uh, that knew his movement have already been detained. So this, to me, looks like there was a assassination attempt on Vladimir Putin. Between that and the broadcast on his friendly broadcast network that are condemning some of his tactics and the promises as opposed to what's been delivered. I mean, as he goes to meet with President Xi, he's got to be shook to uh, shook to his core to a degree. I mean, I, I hope so. Uh, he's been in power for a long time, and uh, yeah, he's only gained power. Uh, arguably, some people say he's one of the yeah, or pre-invasion sanctions oligarchs, kind of being capped to a degree. Was one of the richest men on the planet, with you know money being hidden in millions of different entities and organizations all over the planet. And you know, if, if we think for a second that the the strong grip of the radical ideas of communism have have been shaken they haven't you know they they are still rooted in obviously china and russia still is in ukraine so until they have been pushed back into their proper sovereign borders until you know they they secede ground that is not rightfully theirs um like i i love hope but i know that we still have a lot of work to do and i it's, i think it's very very premature for anyone to start making um, any victory assertions or, you know, say that he is in a dangerous position. There's there's he's not. He's still very, very dangerous. Politico's reporting Vladimir Putin admitted to China in their meeting. Uh, he has quit that China has questions and concerns about Ukraine. So maybe they're getting the message that taking Taiwan might be a lot harder than it looks from the outside. And once war starts, you really have no control of the narrative. How could Vladimir Putin, at the very least, have miscalculated so uh, so precipitously as he did, thinking he'll take Kiev, put in a new government, and be done with it. How could he be so wrong? I mean, that's the arrogance of of a dictator. Dictator, uh, you know, when w- they thought the Russian troops truly believed that they would be welcomed as liberators. You know, they they um, had been so the propaganda machine that is Russia. You know, for for generations, they, they've been saying that Ukraine is actually their ground. You know, like Moscow was built by Kiev engineers and architects. So, like, the, it's in truth the other way around. A lot of Russia truly belongs to Ukraine if you if you go back in history long enough. But in, in their pompous position and believing the propaganda, their own lies, they just started believing them. In that confirmation bias, they had this assumption that they would cross the border, they would be welcomed like liberators, and every single one of those Ukrainian eastern cities all the way to Kiev would be like, oh, finally, Russia's, Russia's here. Man, what they forgot is the Ukrainians are fierce, strong people that are proud of their heritage and proud of having you know, the, the, sancti- the sanctity that is their own country, their own entity. And, you know, it's, it is that 
the pompous ignorance and the pompous uh, belief of a dictator that they are truly the solution to the world. And these narcissists, and there's a few of them, are, are dangerous. And, you, and finally, a few of them got to see what happens when they get to see the real world, and there's somebody on the other side of that barrel that's saying, no, you have crossed our sovereign border Good luck taking another inch because you're going to have to step over my dead body in a pile of brass. Tim, are they capable of going doing some guerrilla warfare behind enemy lines? We saw about those nine planes that were brought up. We saw an assassination attempt inside Moscow. Would that be one way to continue to demoralize that unit? Do you think that the Ukrainians could do that or and are doing it? All right. We have uh, we have brushed one of my favorite topics in the world, which is what Green Berets have been built to do all the way back to Vietnam, which is – you know, training guerrilla warfare, insurgencies. And, um, you know, for the past few wars, we've been fighting, you know, we've been counterinsurgencies. We've been fighting the insurgencies that were the Taliban, Al-Qaeda, Hamas. Um, But what we're getting to see here is the script being flipped. And, you know, your question, it's a very insightful one. Are they capable? They have been training to do this for generations. There, there's, there were horrible articles that were, that were calling some of the Ukrainian um, high schools fascists, that were tra- they're, they're training yep. these young men to be fascists. In truth, what was happening is all of those young men were being trained and prepared to have to fight against a communist invasion force, and they've been doing it for a generation. And now we got to see what that looks like when truly somebody gets to stand up and say, no, you don't get to have this ground. This is our ground. And a matter of fact, we're going to fight every tooth and nail, every way imaginable, and then we're going to push back. We're going to push back not just to our borders but into your borders. And that is what is truly dangerous about an insurgency is when the belief – when we call it the center of gravity. When the center of gravity is so unifying that you cannot topple that until you topple that belief. And their belief is that Ukraine is ours and Russia has no chance in toppling that. And, and, and to my last question, a lot of people say we shouldn't be uh, involved helping writing checks. I firmly believe – but you live war and you've, you've been in war – um, I study it. I really believe Georgia would be next, Moldova, and then they start replacing the Baltic, try to replace the Baltic nations with their own stooges, and this would be uh, something we'd be dealing with for the last twenty years unless they're stopped there. Do you think that that's a premise that they were hoping to pull off? That, that's exactly my beliefs. Um, do, do I want American taxpayer dollars to be being pumped into you know Ukrainian oligarchs or any criminal entities? Absolutely not. You know, like I'm a staunch libertarian and constitutionalist, but. Man, I do not like communism. And um, I would even argue that they would they would push to all the original borders of the USSR. You know, like the Czech, obviously Poland would be next. Czech Republic is would be on the door. You know, and when you think about that, like they went all the way to Kiev, and they they were looking at Poland next. You know, Kar- Krakow was on their radar. You know, they're looking all the way to Prague and Czech Republic. When you have Poland, which is now the number two Apache owner on the planet, the Apache, the helicopter designed to fight tanks, which, you know, the artillery and the mechanized units of the Russian military being really their best force. Um, and uh, the rest of Eastern Europe took notice. It's, it's a it's shame that American people have not taken notice to understand the ramifications and the second and third order effects of what would happen in Europe if Russia would be successful in Ukraine. I see it, uh, and I'm, I'm heartened by the fact that you, you've, you've witnessed it and are back to report on it. Pick up uh, Tim's book to talk about what he's been through and where he's going. Uh, it's called Scars and Stripes, an unapologetically American story of fighting the Taliban, UFC warriors, and myself. Not me, but you. Uh, Tim, thanks. Always great to talk to you. Yes, sir. Pleasure's mine. All right. Uh, back in a moment. The fastest growing talk show in America. You're with Brian Kilmeade. 
breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Mr. President, thank you for unifying and inspiring a vision of a stronger, fairer, safer future for all, for our children. Your extraordinary leadership has made this glorious day possible. I, that's an applause line. <laughs> Isn't that great? Please. And that, was, that was part of the disaster, which was two days ago at the White House. Many people think that Lindsey Graham saved the news cycle for Democrats because he came out saying, I'm going to pass a law if we get control of the Senate. I'm going to offer it uh, to put a national legislation at 15 weeks. Okay. Uh, I don't know if he stole the cycle. What he's trying to do is take the most difficult issue for Republicans and knock it out of the way and say this is where we stand. Most, uh, I think, 80% of Republicans are pro-life, and the ones that are uh, pro-choice can deliver with 15 we- 50 weeks. What you're doing is you're getting uh, people uh, who are moderate in the middle or to the left motivated to go vote. So that'll be a challenge. But I don't think it's as big a challenge as everyone says. I'm not sure. It doesn't seem as though that Lindsey Graham really helped too many people on the right, even though he intended to. William listening in South Bend, WTRC. Hey, William. Hey, thanks, Brian, for taking my call. You know, um, you were talking to Dr. Oz, and I was listening to Hannity the other night, and he's talked about during the previous election that the Mammoth um, poll came out and said that, you know, that uh, uh, Trump had no way to win. He was down in the polls, and everything that they had, all their data showed that Biden was way ahead. And I think it really had an impact on the way that people were going out and voting because people were going, well, it's already a lost cause. Why go ahead and do this? After the election, they came out and they said, oh, our data was all wrong. We, the polling was incorrect. Yeah. Um, he wasn't ahead and, and so on and so forth. So when they're talking about Oz, then I saw the other morning, my, I listen to you. I watch you guys every morning. Thank you. Um, and, and then um, listen to you, obviously, on the radio as I am now. And so um, my wife will, always, will quite often put on CNBC. So and I'm like, and I walk in the other room and I see this and they're talking about, oh, well, yeah, it's Dr. Oz is seven points behind. And I'm like, you know what? I just heard this last night. I, I could swear it's probably doing the same thing, that marketing strategy to tell people, well, he's already lost. He's seven points behind. It's only going to get worse. So there's no sense in going out and doing this. Locally here in South Bend years ago, there was a guy that was running for a judge. He was a shoo-in. He was given a shoo-in. It came out two weeks before the election that he had 70-some parking violations that he never paid. And it came out, and they said, oh, well, he must think he's, against, or he's above the law. But yet he's running for a judge, and the guy ended up losing. And I'm like, well, that's the type of, of truly, that's the kind of result that you would want to have if somebody's. And when you talk about who Oz is running against, the guy has, what, 29 infractions of not paying his taxes? Yeah, 60. Yeah, I mean, order? it's unbelievable. But I would say this I'm guilty of this, William is that I start looking at the polls again, too, as if I have, I have short-term memory loss when I realize how inaccurate they are. I mean, remember, uh, Senator, Collins was, uh, Senator Collins was not supposed to be close in Maine. She won handily. Joni Ernst was going to lose in Iowa. It wasn't even close. Remember, the House was supposed to be, they were supposed to widen the margin of the House. They came within five seats of taking out the House last election. And then if it wasn't for President Trump playing a role, in my view, of blowing those two Georgia seats, the Republicans would have left, would have held on to the Senate. And the president, whatever you want to say about President Trump, got 74 million votes, the most in Republican history, uh, I believe, ever. Uh, So at 74 million, 
considering all the scandal and two impeachments and everything else that happened, um, you know, between the Moscow, between the Russian hoax and the impeachment, considering that he almost won again, it's hard to believe that I'm still looking at the polls. But I dismiss Monmouth almost right away. And I would say Trafalgar's been a little, leans a little right, it seems, but it's much more accurate. I listen to Pennsylvania. I look at Pennsylvania. Been there a million times, mostly through soccer tournaments and just travel. We've got great stations over there, and I don't see anybody going for a left wing representative at at a local level. Maybe in Philadelphia, certain areas, or at, certainly at a statewide level. If you're way to the left, what are you doing in Pennsylvania? I mean, there's plenty of states for you, but not in Pennsylvania. And that's what Fetterman is. I can't believe he's actually using a stroke to his advantage. I mean, does he really need all these things to happen for him to debate? He needs closed caption. He needs more time to digest what he reads. How is he going to sit there and read a piece of complicated legislation? I mean, how is he going to even look at some of these bills that are passed and even have a chance at understanding them? Unless all you know is I'm against fracking. I'm for legalizing marijuana. I'm for zero cash bail. Uh, I'm going to think criminal first. And you don't need to know much detail about that. I'm just astounded. I knew that Dr. Oz and Dave McCormick were a good matchup. And if if Dr. Oz won against Pat Toomey, uh, uh, that's a pretty good matchup. We got a high-profile guy against, but they're both very conservative. Not total, not 100% conservative, uh, but very conservative. You know, not conservative like, uh, let's say, Ted Cruz. But in Pennsylvania, there needs to be somebody in a moderate. I think someone way to the right is also not going to be successful in Pennsylvania. That's why I thought that Dr. Oz would have a much easier time generally than he would in the primary. If he ends up walking away with this, never believe another poll. J.D. Vance, they have neck and neck with Tim Ryan. I think people of Ohio are smarter than that. Tim Ryan is not a moderate. I thought he was, but he's not. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.